Hello, and welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast, where we explore the relationships between the stories we love and the stories we live. I'm your host, Derek Hatch, and let's get started. What's up, everybody out there? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are at, whatever time it is. Welcome to the All Things Narrative podcast. So excited to have you here. And here we go. So can you believe that we are already in May? The halfway point of 2023 is creeping up on us so fast, I don't even know what's happening. You know, there's this theory that you experience time faster and faster the older you get. Because if you think about it, not to go on a rabbit trail here, let's say you're, you know, a newborn baby and you're only three days old. So your concept of your entire life story is three days. So one day is one third of that baby's entire life, right? So one day feels so long because they haven't experienced a lot of days. And so as we get older, the days are more and more behind us, the years, the decades. And so all of a sudden, when we were a kid, and this was at least me as a kid, where I was just sitting there going like, man, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions. And and it felt like school, elementary, middle school, high school, it felt like an eternity of waiting. Now I look back on it and I'm just like, oh, snaps. Like that breadth of time there of 13 years, that's how long it's been since I've been out of high school now. So my entire school education feels smaller in comparison as I look back on it because now I've lived another 13 years outside of all that. So needless to say that this episode is about time in some way because I did an episode at the beginning of this year called Your Next Chapter Starts Today. And we were talking about all about the present moment and what a wonderful gift the present is, as that uh, turtle said in Kung Fu Panda. But then in March, we went and explored the past and nostalgia and the ways that we romanticize the past and how do we take uh, the healthy things from our past and bring them with us to the present. And now we're going to kind of round off this little trilogy of episodes by talking, of course, about the future and this this concept of legacy, because this is something that I hear a lot of people talking about. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I'm around people that are getting older as well. I don't know. But this idea of legacy and the future, the thing about the future is that it's unknowable to us right? We can predict it and prophesy all we want, but at the end of the day, we do not know for certain what the future is going to hold for any of us. You ever played that game, Would You Rather? And one of the questions I loved asking uh, when I would do this with teens is, would you rather go back and change the past or would you rather go forward and know your future? That's a tough question. You think about that for a second. Would you rather go back and relive or change your past? Or would you rather know the future? Would you rather know how you're going to die or when you're going to die? The future, in some ways, is 
it's a mystery to us. And that's why we're scared of it. But that's also why sometimes we might get excited about it as well. You know, we never know what possibilities might be on the horizon for the future. But the future is also to a degree in our control more than we think it is. Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot, where you have this concept of sacrifice, where you have a person or a family or a generation that is going to sacrifice certain things in the present so that the future for the next generation, right, can be better. And a lot of us might be listening to this podcast and we might have had parents that made certain sacrifices for us because within each generation, hopefully things are a little better for our families and for our loved ones, right? So the opportunities that I got as a kid uh, were more expansive than the opportunities my parents got as a kid. And the opportunities I want my kids to have will hopefully be more than what I had. And at the same time, though, the world is also changing. And so as we move into the future, although the possibilities might emerge, there might also be new barriers that present themselves. So I talk about this uh, with my mom recently when she came to visit. We talked about how when she was a kid, you could go out. You can go out after school, into the evening. Parents might not have any clue where their kids were. But the kids knew to get back in time and everybody knew each other in the neighborhood and it was a very different time to grow up. And then when I became, you know, a kid, a teenager, we weren't like quite at that level. Like we could go out and still do things, but my parents knew where we were. Like if we were going to go somewhere, they, they knew where we were going to be. And you had this wonderful new invention called the cell phone where if there were any problems or anything, I could be able to call my parents, right? And Or they could call me if they need to get a hold of me. Now, if you're a parent out there with young children, this might depend on where you live. Can you even fathom your children being out and about, not knowing where they are, like with my mom's generation? And even with my generation of just kind of being out there, there's still a little uncertainty I have because I just, I feel like the world is becoming a more hostile place. So I become less trusting, right, of letting my kids go off into the world. I have young kids given, so I haven't quite reached this yet with teenagers. But it's something I'm definitely going to have to wrestle with, as we all will, because we want things to be better. There's a lot of things in this world we can't control. We can't control other people. We can't control whatever's happening with climate. We can't control who's going to go to war with who. But there is something we can control when it comes to our future, and that is our legacy. What do we leave behind for those who will come after us? When the next generation looks at you and looks at us, what will they remember? You know, we talked a little bit about memory in the nostalgia episode, but this carries over into legacy as well because nostalgia is what are we remembering from the past, and legacy is how do you want to be remembered in your past, in the future, <laughs> which is kind of weird there. And to use narrative practices terms, what is that preferred narrative, that vision of your life that you see for yourself going forward, that you want to become the dominant story that your life is defined by? You know, there's a simple definition here of legacy that I, I really like, and it's the long-lasting impact of particular events 
actions, etc., that took place in the past or of a person's life. The key there is long-lasting impact. What are the things that are going to be remembered from here on out? For better or for worse? So let, let me give you a few examples of that. When we do these Why We Loves, why do we choose the stories to talk about that we do? Well, listen, there's a lot of stories that get told. There's stories being told every day in all different mediums. And there's a lot of great stories that are being told that, quite frankly, not all of us are going to know. And that's a shame, right? I always tell people that we should always vote with our wallets and with our time and our resources. So if there is a great story that you see being told, support it. Find out how to get behind what that author creator is doing, that storyteller, and support them in it. Because we need good stories for many, many psychological reasons. But there are certain stories that have captured the imagination of our cultural collective conscious, if you will, and with who we are as people because they resonate with us on some deep level. These are your, your great novels of Western civilization. These are your myths. These are your Bible stories. These are your your superheroes. These are your high epic fantasies, your challenging dystopias and sci-fis. We talk about the stories that last. And that, that's one of the things I'm really after is I, I, I want to go back and I want to dig and I want to find the stories that have really lasted and, and understand why. What is it that they have to say about what it means to be human? And even today, it's exciting to always see, okay, is this story, how long is it going to last? Because we got a lot of stories that can be really trendy in the moment. But what's the legacy of this story? Is it going to be remembered as something that really moved and shaped a people? Or is it going to just, like a lot of stories today, unfortunately, is it just going to be forgotten, not given the time, attention, or care years from now? And you see that happen. You see um, stories that you know, might be really big when, you know, when they first come out, but then they just kind of, they kind of drop. There's, there's maybe something relevant for the moment, but it doesn't have any long lasting long. It doesn't have any longevity. And I think legacy is a huge part of that. So one of the great stories I could think of with legacy, not just in what its legacy is as a story, but within the narrative itself is Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. This was a graphic novel published in 1986, same time as Watchmen. And this is a story that really helped redefine comic books. It gave us a deconstruction of one of the most popular superheroes of the time, Batman, and still. But if it was just the deconstruction tearing him down, I don't think it would have lasted the test of time. But what it does is it really gets at the heart of, well, why is Batman a hero? What is it about him that makes him heroic? And it's not his gadgets. It's not his intellect. It's not even his detective skills. It's the way, and this is something that Christopher Nolan taps in with his trilogy. It's the way that Batman as a symbol inspires people to be good and to do better. So in the story of The Dark Knight Returns, there's these delinquent teens called the mutants, and they're a lost generation. And after Batman publicly humiliates their leader, they 
fickle as they are, they follow Batman. And Batman sees this hunger from the younger generation to look up to the older generation because Batman's older. He's like in his 50s or something. And all of a sudden, between him, between Carrie Kelly, who becomes the new Robin, between just ordinary, everyday people, everybody is starting to stand up for the things that Batman is. And when Gotham goes into crisis, the everyday people, the ones with, who aren't superpowered in any way, they stand up. And spoiler alert, when Batman dies, quotes, like metaphorically, right? There's a legacy that he's left behind. And that legacy inspires the next generation to continue the work of what he's doing. So we love these kind of stories where you have kind of the old, grizzled, maybe a little jaded figure. You see this a lot in Westerns. And they got to kind of come back for one last mission, one last ride. But when they come back, what I think those stories do really well is the way that they inspire um, the, the, it really cements the legacy they leave behind. That's what a lot of these stories really explore is, okay, you've lived this long, productive life. You've had this career. You've had this thing that you've done. How do you finish? What's the finale, the grand finale, the coda of your life? There's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that I really love because it says in chapter seven, verse eight, it says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. That's, that's an interesting statement right there. Yeah, ask yourself if you agree or disagree with that or not. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Now, I think we can get a clue as to what that means in context if we read the statement that comes right after it which says the patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. Okay. So the way I interpret that is there are a lot of things we want in life, especially when we're young. You hear this idea of a young genius. You have, I don't know if you've heard this contrast between the young genius and the old sage, but the young genius you see is the one who at 20, figures it out. They're, you know, that one that peaks in their creativity and their productiveness at an early age. You know, there's a theory that people have that you have about 10 years where you're at your most creative. And you could apply that 10 years to pretty much, try to, try to apply it to any figure and try to see what you could determine the 10 years where they were the most productive and creative with whatever it is their work was and what they gave themselves to. So some people have that young genius mentality where they they figure it out what they need to bring to the world to revolutionize and to shake things up. And they do that at a young age. And even though they might continue to work for the rest of their lives, nothing will ever capture in the collective public consciousness what they did as that young genius, right? whether it's like a, a young inventor, like some of the people who created social media, or whether it's a lot of musical artists. A lot of musical artists are the young genius. Your, your Bob Dylans, your, your Brian Wilsons, your, your Beatles. You've got lots of figures that have that when they're young. And we hold them up and we elevate them in our culture. 
And they do leave a legacy behind, and that's great. But when I read this verse, I think about this other side of the spectrum, which is the old sage. The patient in spirit are better than the proud in spirit. You see, the pitfall that the, the young genius can fall into is this pride of, I've arrived. This proud spirit of, look at me, look what I accomplished when I'm young. I'm invincible. Now, when you don't have that when you're younger, that creative peak, that burst, then when you get older, you find yourself working towards that. You find yourself working hard on whatever it is that has captured your heart and your time and your attention and your love. And you work at it to get better and better and better. This is someone like a Hayao Miyazaki from the Studio Ghibli films where he really saw himself as that sage. I mean, I don't think Studio Ghibli was even established until he was in his 40s. But he was working on animation and all that for many years. He, his, his career is very slow the way that he evolved and grew. And I think it's because we got to stick with it. We got to not give up. We got to be patient in spirit. And that's why the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The beginning, you know, the lot of the great origin stories, they're just the, the characters and the heroes just trying to figure out who they are and what they can do, right? And those are really great stories, especially when we're younger, we need those stories. But then as we get older, we need these legacy stories. We need these stories of where am I heading? What am I going to leave behind? And being able to finish strong. How will you be remembered when all is said and done? And sometimes, for many people, unfortunately, the finish is not very strong. I mean, you think of someone like Alexander Hamilton that you see in the Hamilton musical, well, obviously in history too. But I mean, his life ends with, with a petty duel with his rival. And there's that line in the musical that says, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. That's legacy right there. The way you live, the way you die, who is going to tell your story after you're gone? And what will they say about you? Here's a, here's a hard question uh, to ask yourself. How will, what will people say about you at your own funeral? What will they know you by? We might know how we want to be remembered. But if we put ourselves in other people's shoes, how will they talk about us? If we died today, what would people say at our funeral? How will we be remembered? How will our eulogy, our story be told after we're gone? And the crazy thing about a funeral is that most of the people at your funeral, they're most likely not the people who were there in the beginning for you. No, they're the people who were there at the end. They're the ones who are going to talk about you based on what they've seen for however long they've known you. And for many of them, it's going to be the last chunk of your life 
that they remember, that they speak of. Now, you go to a funeral and you might hear lots of great things about what they did long ago in the past, and that enriches their perspective of you. But nonetheless, the people at your funeral are going to be people who are there for the end. You know, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. There's a lot more reasons that I can go into for that. But I know for me, I want to be on that track of, of the old wise sage. I want to be the one who's just giving all that I have. In this case, all things narrative. I really think all things narrative is meant to be the culmination of what I'm trying, been trying to do, but it's also the foundation of what I want to build off for a long time, whatever that's going to look like. And so I want to be on that path. I want to be on that path of growth where I'm getting better and better. I know what legacy I want to leave behind, what I want to be remembered. And I want to be remembered as someone who lived a meaningful story. That's one thing. And I hope all of us out there would want that for ourselves. But there's lots of things within that as well. But I also want to be known as somebody who created space in people's lives for stories, for their stories to be told, for them to receive the stories of others, for them to be shaped and influenced by great stories that informed who they were. I want to be someone that creates that space for people. I want the people in my life to feel heard, like truly heard and loved and valued, that their story matters. If my funeral took place and somebody got up and said, I'm here because he taught me that my story matters and that I matter. That's it. That's a life well lived for me. So many of us want what the young genius has. We want the, the fame, the prestige, right? We want to be remembered. It's a very, very human thing to want to be remembered for something great. And so what is that greatness? What does that look like for you? Here's another example here of legacy. So my grandfather wrote me all these letters when I was younger that he had written on them to open when I got to certain ages. And so even though he's passed away, I can go back and reread those letters. It's like he's still talking to me today. It's like I, he's still present. And so there's a legacy, not just in the words that he left behind with those letters, but also with what that says about him as a person, that he was someone who was always thinking about the future and knowing that his time was short and being able to pour into me even after I couldn't physically be with him. That's, that's legacy right there, and that's powerful. This doesn't just apply to people, but it even applies to companies, organizations, businesses, nonprofits. If you're the founder or CEO of a company and you pass on, what's the legacy that you're leaving behind? It's probably your company, right? And we know the tragic stories of companies that fall apart once their CEO has moved on or passed away. But if our company is a representation of who we are and of what we gave ourselves to, we need to entrust 
that to people who are going to carry on our legacy. As parents, we do this with our children, and we raise our children with the hopes that they will carry on the values that we upheld, while also discovering their own values along the way. This is one of the things that, uh, that I do for organizations, something I just started doing recently, where I do this workshop where essentially we explore this idea of legacy and we think, okay, what is the long-term vision of what our company wants to be known as? What is it that we're going for? What is the ideal? And how do we deal with the problems that are standing in the way of that right now, the ones that we might anticipate to come? How do we involve each person, each team member, uh, each employee, each leader, each donor, each volunteer, each customer and client. What's their role in this story? How do they contribute to the legacy of what we'll be known for long after any of us in this room are gone? And a large part of that is story, is knowing your story. Because if you know what story your life is telling, then you can be intentional about how you're living it and where you want to go from there. And that applies to companies as well. How we be intentional about the story we're telling and inviting others into as a company? And how does that help us to live a better story? And so I'll end with this. There's a theologian that I have read quite a few from over the years. His name is N.T. Wright. And he was speaking to a group of leaders in Silicon Valley, okay? So even though he's a Christian theologian, he's speaking to a non-Christian, what you might call a secular group. And he said something really powerful. And this really speaks to the idea of legacy, where he said, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbors yourself, will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are a part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. So you might not be religious or believe in God as you're listening to this. But what, what the crux of what N.T. Wright is saying here is that the things that we build, that we give ourselves to, they outlive us. And the things that are created, that are created with purpose and beauty and truth and goodness, these things last and they stand the test of time. And they allow us to leave a little piece of ourselves behind. So it's not just our story that's our legacy, the way that we lived. It's also what we do. It's what we create. And so between how you live, your character, your conduct, and what you did, what you create, these are the things that we really should set our, our time on. There's so many pointless things that distract us. You know, we tend to be very materialistic. 
Nobody's going to remember us for our stuff. You know, people are going to get our stuff one day, and that's, that's great, especially if it's good stuff. But we waste so much time. Like, money, money's another good one here. Yeah, there'll be an inheritance. People will get your money one day. But is that really what you want your legacy to be? Is just being known for how much money you had and your relatives and children and descendants just eagerly waiting to get their hands on it after you die? Is that really what you want your legacy to be? I know it sounds harsh, but these are things we got to think about. We ain't going to live forever. We don't have as much time as we think we do. And so how do we make the most of it? And I know for me as a father, I want to be known as someone who loved their kids to their fullest. That's what I want to be known for, amongst other things, as I shared before. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine that for those of you who work hard and have kids to be known for being a great mom, being a great dad, great grandparent? And I'm telling you, when I've been to funerals, and that's the case, it's really beautiful to see. So we've been through the past with nostalgia and memory. We've been to the present thinking about what does it mean for our unfolding story, our next chapter to take place. And now we conclude with legacy here. And I hope this has been helpful. If you haven't checked out those other two episodes, feel free to go back. But legacy, let's not lose sight of that because that is something that is our, in our control for the future. So are you living a story worth retelling and worth remembering. One of the things I'm just now starting to get into with all things narrative is helping people with legacy projects. So if there is someone who's passed on and you want to find a way to celebrate their life by retelling it, then schedule a one-on-one session and consultation with me at allthingsnarrative.com. And that's a really powerful way to be able to have someone live on is by retelling their story through some sort of legacy project, whatever that might be. And that's all I got for you here. And so I am going to wrap this up. I'm going to give you an exciting update that our next episode is going to feature the return of all the guys. That's right. We did an episode with Joseph back in January. We had Nick and Joe on back at the end of March, but now we are all back in a room and we got some great episodes coming out, including our next one, which is going to be why we love fantasy. Now that's an interesting topic right there. As we continue our genre series, what does the fantasy genre have to say to us and about who we are and what's important? And so I hope you'll join us for that. Uh, Feel free to get caught up and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also sign up for our email list at allthingsnarrative.com. Check out what we got going on there. We got events, workshops, If you're a part of an organization and a company that wants to think through legacy and have someone from outside that can facilitate those conversations, then check out All Things Narrative. Check out our workshop, Crafting Your Company's Narrative, and let's do something together. And so I just want to say thank you so much for listening, for tuning in, 
And yeah, I hope this has been helpful for you to think about your future and where you're going and what you're going to leave behind. This is your friendly narrative practitioner, Derek, signing off, saying thank you so much for stopping by. And until next time, take care.